Hey, thank you so much, Paul, and good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing today? One person's awake. Awesome. That's great. It's kind of, you know, this has been for, like, for everybody, right? This has been just another crazy season of life. Um, The working from home thing is, you know, the introvert in me loves, loves working from home. Okay, just loves it. Um, but the challenge of working from home is making sure I don't actually work 17 hours a day. Right? <laughs> and then I kind of find myself where I kind of have to kind of catch myself going, wow, it's been four and a half days since I've stepped outside. I really should do something about that. And then you actually step outside and it's minus 18. You go, no, 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 I should really just stay inside, right? So it's great to have you here in person. It's great to have those of you who are joining us at Greenbelt Online as well. If you're new with us or just joining us for the first time, my name is Kevin. I serve as the lead pastor here at Greenbelt Church. And we are a church that is incredibly passionate about living out our vision that God gave us several years ago, where we want to see Greenbelt Church be being a growing, vibrant Christian community engaged in reaching 10,000 people with the gospel. Because we firmly believe the most important thing that is needed in our world today is for people to know that there is a God who loves them, there is a God who died for them, and there is a God who came to give them abundant life and power to live the way God has called his people to live in this messy, crazy world that we live in. And so we do this in multiple different ways, and we've learned a lot over the pandemic of how do we do in-person, how do we do hybrid ministry to disciple and reach people online. We also worship in two different languages. We worship in English, and we also worship in Arabic, if you didn't realize that. And I just want to give a big shout-out and a thank you to Suhail and Lena, who really spearhead and lead that Arabic ministry as volunteers. It's a big lift. It's a heavy lift, and we really appreciate all the work that they do there in reaching our Arabic community here in our city and around the world. And so today we are in week four of our sermon series called No Offense. And uh, this has been a series personally for me that God has really been speaking to me a lot as I study these verses and study these passages. I hope it's been a blessing for you as well as we go through this. Uh, One of the things that my wife, Danielle, and I do every day is uh, at lunchtime, we make our lunch, and then we go and we sit down in our family room down in the basement, and I turn on the TV, and I watch the news every day. Every day, I watch the news. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's maybe you kind of connect with this too. But it feels like everybody is getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Right? We seem to, as I watch the news, I'm seeing people who are incredibly angry at government. I'm seeing government officials responding, being very angry at the people. I'm seeing workers that are very angry at their employers and employers that are very angry at their workers. (laughs) It just seems that there is this generalized increase of anger and bitterness towards one another. 
There was this other article that I was reading online on the news as well, and it was talking about this new thing called air rage. Maybe you've heard about this. You know, we've heard about road rage for years and years and years, about the number of people who just lose their stuff when they're driving a car and just getting angry at every other car on the road. Well, now we're categorizing people are just losing it on airplanes as well. Before 2020, um, there was this article that came out. So that there's um, um, the airlines when they have to investigate kind of incidences that happen on airlines. Before 2020, the airlines would handle probably about 143 incidents a year, on average. Before 2020, last year, airlines had to handle 5,981 incidences of anger and hostility at 35,000 feet. Now, as a guy who doesn't like flying and is afraid of heights, watching someone lose their stuff at 35,000 feet, get it together, man. (laughs) Nearly 6,000 in one year, we are becoming angrier and angrier. And sadly, the church is not immune. We're not And I say this lovingly as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus who has been angry himself a lot over the last two years. We need to get our act together. (laughs) Because God calls followers of Jesus to something so much greater. (laughs) And so today's message is not a message to listen to and go, oh boy, I really need to send this to Bob. Or I really need to send this to Sue. Okay? This is for me. This is for you. Let God speak to you on this topic of bitterness. Because that's what I want us to look at. We're going to look at how bitterness has a way of completely taking us over if we are not careful. You see, bitterness has a way of starting in our lives when we get hurt. See, when something happens to us, when someone hurts us, when someone says something negative towards us, when there's, you know, whether it's hostility or judgment or abuse or pain, whatever it is, something comes at us and it does hurt. And this isn't a message about belittling the hurt. Because we have to learn how to process that and how to heal from the hurt that can come our way in this world and in our lives that we live. But hurt and abuse that comes towards us, if we do not deal with it, it has a way of festering. And hurt turns into anger. And anger turns into bitterness. One of my favorite teachers ever said it this way, that fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. That's Master Yoda, if you didn't, weren't too sure who that teacher is. Okay? Um, but that is the way this works. And it's crucial. The Bible has so much to say 
on the topic of bitterness. So I want to start reading here from Hebrews chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with us. And if you are here with us today or if you're joining us online and you do not own a a Bible, I would love to be able to give you one for free. If you're here in person, they're in the back. Just grab one after the service. That is your gift. No one will stop you if you leave with it. And if you're joining us at Greenbelt Online, email me, kevin at greenbelt.church, and we will send a Bible to you anywhere in the world free of charge because we believe every family should own a Bible. So here in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews here, Hebrews chapter 12, just going to read a couple of verses and then I want us to unpack this together and see how this plays out in each of our lives individually and how it plays out in our lives as the church. So here in verse 14, the author writes this, says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Just let that verse sit for a moment. Make Every effort doesn't say make some effort. It doesn't say make minimal effort. It says to make every effort to live in peace with people who agree with you and think like you and look like you and behave like you. Doesn't say that. It says everyone. And I love the Greek here. The Greek, a better translation in English would be everyone. (laughs) It says we need to make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Why is it important for the church to get her act together? on these types of topics of anger and bitterness is because the world needs to see we are different. The world needs to see that following Jesus actually makes a difference in our lives. And so as we pursue holiness, and what that means is, is that we are pursuing a life that looks different. We're pursuing a life that is set apart. It doesn't look like everybody else. It's not used the same way as everybody else's lives are used. It is different. It is set apart. It is holy. Without holiness... Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This is a huge call for the church. And then in verse 15, it continues, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. In these two short verses, we see there's there's this incredible call on the lives of followers of Jesus. There's this incredible call on the church to seek God, to let God work and reign in our lives so that he can set us apart for his mission, for his purposes, for what he wants to accomplish in the world. Not what our mission is, not what I want to accomplish in the world, so that his glory will be known to more and more people. Without us pursuing holiness, no one will ever see the holiness of God. That's how it works. And when the outside world just sees our rage and our bitterness and our hostility and our anger, 
That's their image of God. Why would anyone want to bow down and worship that kind of God? I wouldn't want to. I'm sure that most of you wouldn't want to either. But we are the image bearers of God in how we do this. So we need to get rid of all bitterness. And in the verse here in verse 15, it describes bitterness as a root. And when you think of how roots work, you can see how quickly bitterness has a way of spreading. Um, A few years ago, um, I was kind of going through an early midlife crisis, and um, I was trying to find new hobbies. And and I couldn't afford a yacht, and I couldn't afford a motorcycle. So I I, I figured I'm going to start doing 3D printing. And I'm just going to start making all these models. I'm going to do all this stuff in the basement. I'm going to get into 3D printing. And my wife said, Danielle goes, you you spend an awful lot of time in the basement already. (laughs) So why would you want another hobby to spend even more time stuck in the basement? Why don't you do, why don't we do a garden? And so we started vegetable gardening. So we've been doing that for several years now, and I'm quite obsessive compulsive when it comes to these things. So I buy all the books, I go on all the websites, I subscribe to all the YouTube videos, and I don't just do a little vegetable garden, I completely take over the whole front of our yard. And I've got dreams and visions for expanding it even more, probably into the neighbor's yard as well, if he lets me. Okay. But what I did a couple of years ago is I got into my head, I wanted to start making fresh southern iced tea see i love going down south i love going down as soon as you cross a certain state in the u.s whenever you order iced tea it's not like this chemically sugary thing that we get here it's iced tea it's tea but ice cold there's no sugar there's no sweetener my kids look at me like i'm like a freak of nature for drinking this stuff i love it and i love it when it has fresh mint in it So I decide I'm going to start growing my own mint. And I do this thing called square foot gardening, where you have a little square foot. And in one square foot, it says put in literally four seeds of mint. So that's what I do. I put in the four seeds. Now, this herb garden that I built is 10 feet by 2 feet. 10 feet long, 2 feet deep. I put in four little seeds on one end. Those of you who know anything about gardening are looking at me like, you nut job. I am ripping out mint by the gallon. Like, like it's like one, at some point last summer, at the end of the summer, I was ripping out so much mint, I put a table by the front of my street, and I had a pile of mint that deep and like that wide. I was like, please come and take some of this stupid mint. I wanted like four or five leaves a year. (sighs) That was the intentionality. The roots on this sucker are going everywhere, everywhere. And, And when I pull up all the other plants, I am ripping out these long, 10 foot long strings of roots. See, roots, and I had no clue any of it was there. No clue it was there until the mint started showing up where I didn't want it. And that's what bitterness does. See, bitterness has a way of just taking deep, deep root. And it spreads out to so many areas of our lives that we don't even realize it. 
until the fruit comes out. And that's the big idea that I want you to write down, talk about it in your life group, is that invisible roots always yield visible fruit. Invisible roots always yield visible fruit. And so we as followers of Jesus, we need to rip those out. (laughs) Because they will have a way of impacting our lives in so many areas. I've been on a journey, and I've talked about this a lot over the last two years, on a journey of wellness. And the big part of my journey of wellness is how's my heart? What hurt have I allowed to stay in my heart? What anger am I allowing to stay in my heart? Where am I letting bitterness begin to take root? Because that root, if I'm not careful, if you're not careful, it will spread everywhere. Right? And so we need to deal with this. And, and the verse here kind of shows us the danger of this. Again, these are just two tiny little verses, and there's so much in here. Right? When this bitter root grows up, what does it do? It causes trouble, and it defiles not just you, but it defiles many Your bitterness, my bitterness has the power, if it's not dealt with, to defile so many people around us. Right? This word defile is the Greek word miaino. Miaino. And it means to stain, to pollute, and to contaminate. That's what our bitterness can do. And even when we get so, we feel so justified in our anger, like we've talked about before in this series, when we cling to, yeah, but this person hurt me, and you don't understand what they did, and you don't, you don't know my situation. And again, this isn't to belittle anybody's hurt. This isn't to belittle anyone's pain or suffering or abuse that's done against us. That's not the point. The point is we got to heal from it. we got to do and And it can be hard work. It can be long work, it can be challenging, it can be painful, but it's got to get done. Because if we don't do it, we let this defiling take over our lives. And we see it happen all the time. And you've probably seen this happen in your life as well. How one family member who's just so bitter can completely disrupt and destroy family gatherings. You've seen it, maybe you've seen it, like one bitter Christian in your life group. It's like, yeah, Wednesday night, do I really feel like going to that again if that person's there? And then you stop doing your own spiritual growth because of one bitter person. One bitter person in a marriage can completely destroy it. I have seen three bitter people in a church of 800 people. Bring that church to its knees and split it. Three out of 800 defiles many, poisons many, stains many, contaminates many. 
See, Jesus talks about this idea as well, too, of, of these invisible roots that always yield visible fruit. He talks about this in Luke chapter 6, in verse 43 to 40, 45, where Jesus says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasured in his heart, produces good. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You see, you and I cannot bear good fruit if our heart is bad. If we allow bitterness to creep in, to take root, to spread everywhere that we go, you'll never bear good fruit. When, we, when I talk to different people in pastoral counseling, it's like, well, I just feel like God is far, and I just feel like God is distant. Some of the things that we need to deal with is these hurts, because there's a bitterness there. There's a block there, and this bitterness just impacts every relationship that they're in, and they're not seeing fruit coming from this, right? So how do we do this? How do we actually do the hard work of ripping out these roots? just want to give you two points for the remainder of our time together. Is um, The first thing that we, knew, we can do that Scripture shows us if we want to deal with our bitterness so that we do not allow these roots to continue to grow and we can rip them out, uh, the first suggestion from the Word of God is to expose the objects of your bitterness. Expose the objects of your bitterness. I love in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, it puts it like this. It says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. So this fruitlessness that comes into our life from bitterness. What does Paul tell the Ephesians to do? He tells them, rather expose them. Don't have anything to do with this, but expose it. We need to think about this. Right, we need to expose this. What do we keep secret? The hurt, the pain, the shame, the anguish. When we keep these things secret, it has a way of just lingering in our heart. It has a way of just digging in deeper and deeper and deeper into our heart. One of the things, again, on this journey of wellness that my wife and I have been on, one of the things that I honestly have had to learn is this crazy phrase called emotional honesty. <laughs> um, because I have not lived that way at all for 48 years. <laughs> See, I kind of, and I joke about it, um, but it's actually not funny. But I joke about it. I say, yeah, all those hurt feelings and those angry feelings and all of those things, you push it down. Just push it down. Just keep pushing it down. You know, and you feel this way, ah, you ignore it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to push it down. And then I kind of wonder, why do I have, like, irritable bowel syndrome? Why do I have all these gut problems? Why do I always feel like I have, like, these bloody ulcers? And why do I have all this, these kind of gut problems? Maybe it's because I just keep on pushing this stuff down <laughs> instead of just letting it out. <laughs> 
and dealing with it in a way that's healthy and it's and it's you know mature. It's not just having a hissy fit and a meltdown and staying in my bed and and all these kind of things. Dealing with it in a healthy way. But we have to expose this stuff, right? So again, so I've been on this journey personally, you know, where I am open and transparent with our elders. They can ask me anything and I will tell them anything. That's the way we have to live, right? I have good pastor friends of mine who I get together with probably once every six weeks or so. And we talk (laughs) and we share the struggles and the hardships and the pain of pastoral ministry in a pandemic. And we pray for one another. We confess our sins to one another and we let this stuff out in a way that's healthy. I see a Christian counselor. I'm a big believer and getting the bolts tightened every once in a while. Every couple of years I go back. Okay, I need to deal with this. I need to deal with this. I just need to keep all the cats in my head straightened out. (laughs) Right. We need to expose this stuff. Because Satan loves it when we live in darkness. He loves it. He loves it when we keep secrets. He loves it when we don't confess our sin. He loves it when we don't reconcile with the people who hurt us. He loves division in the church. He loves bitterness in your life. We need to expose the darkness. Expose the darkness. Expose the darkness. (laughs) And for some people, that might seem like, oh, my goodness, that sounds so hard. I could never do that. Well, if that's you, pray to God. He will give you the strength and the power to do that because point two is even harder. (laughs) Okay? And thankfully, it's God's power who helps us actually do this because without him, you could never do any of these things. But the second one is this, and this can be so hard for so many of us, but we need to learn as followers of Jesus to bless those who hurt us. And it's hard. It's really hard. But this is the clear teachings of Jesus. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Now, the words of Jesus here are not to become doormats and to let people constantly abuse us. It's not what it says. It's not what it says. But what it does say is how do we respond to that? Do we respond, oh, you do that? I'll hit you back. Does it respond, oh, you do, you, I don't like this, I'm going to do this. Does it respond, you hurt me, I hurt you. You put this on me, I'm going to put this on you. You shame me, I shame you. What is the response as followers of Jesus that we need to bless? And we see this message again and again and again all throughout the ministry of Jesus. Right? Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, humble yourself and serve the least of these. I remember years ago, I got into um, trouble. (laughs) Early on in ministry, I used to get in trouble a lot because I didn't grow up in church. And so it was one of these things where I kind of would just kind of start sacrificing sacred cows without realizing they were sacred cows in the church that I was serving in. 
And I was doing a sermon, and I talked about there was this kind of movement in our church, very, very bitter people um, who were very, 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 very angry and hostile and using horrible, horrible, horrible language uh, of people in the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, horrible, disgusting language about people created in the image and likeness of God who are just lost and trapped in sin. And I said, well, here's a way that you could actually start breaking free of your bitterness towards these people. There was actually in the, the town I was living in at the time, there was a big hospital that was there and they had an HIV wing at the time and people who were dying from AIDS. I said, they're looking for volunteers. You should go volunteer there. <laughs> yeah, I got written up for that. Because how dare a pastor tell the church to go volunteer there? That's loving people. That's the response of Jesus. It's pray for those who persecute you. Yeah, but do you realize how this group is speaking against the church? Yeah, I do. (laughs) I've gotten those emails too. I've gotten the death threats from Twitter before too. I've had people show up here yelling and screaming at me from things that we do and believe here. Doesn't give me permission to yell back. Doesn't give me permission to punch them in the throat, but I want to some days. <laughs> you know? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. You want to be great? You serve. Someone slaps you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek so they can hit you again. You want to kill any bitterness in your life? You kill it with love. Right? This word bless that Jesus used here when he says bless those who curse you, right? It's this Greek word that literally means to speak well of. I'm actually choosing right now with everything that's going on in the world because it is very hostile, it's very angry, and all of this stuff like this. I'm going to, as much as humanly possible, by the power of the Spirit of God in me, I am going to speak well. I'm going to speak well of political leaders that I disagree with publicly. I can disagree, and I can disagree passionately, but I will will not attack their character. will not attack them as an image bearer of God who loves them, I will respond. And this is just something I need to do as an example to deal with the roots of bitterness that can creep into our hearts. We will speak well of people, right? Because invisible roots always yield visible fruit. Invisible roots will eventually show up in your life if we're not careful. It will show up in the life of the church. It'll show up in your business. It will show up in your family. It'll show up in everywhere that God is trying to send you to bring light into the world. We need to deal with bitterness. And the great reminder for me comes from Ephesians chapter 4 of how are we able to do this? When Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31, 32, when it says, get rid of all bitterness, Get rid of those roots, expose them, rip them out, get rid of it, don't hang on to it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. 
that's how, why we live lives of willing to show people grace, of willing to show people forgiveness. Yes, there's consequences and different things like that when, you know, they've hurt us and things like that. And again, it's not the point to ignore these things. But we show grace, we show compassion, we show forgiveness, because God showed it to us first. You see, we don't worship a God. We don't sing songs like we sing, like how God is worthy of it all, because God is on his throne in heaven, bitter and angry with us, and just waiting to mess up our lives, waiting to make us miserable. He just cannot wait to judge us and throw us into the pits of hell, and he's going to dance a jig and rejoice when he does it. That's not God. That's not God. See, God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die for you even while you were an enemy of God in your sin. Nothing you did earned God's love. And when we came to that realization that our sin kept us separated from God, we are completely, totally forgiven. I always need that own personal reminder in my life that in the sight of God, I am a saint. That in the sight of God, I am righteous. In the sight of God, I am holy. In the sight of God, I am complete. I have all things in Christ, not by anything I've done, but only because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And by him sending the Holy Spirit to come into me and making me a temple of God to display the splendor of God in this world. See, that's what you have received. And if you've never received that, you can easily receive that, whether it's here in person or at church online, just by simply praying, God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me new. And if you pray that, tell us, put it in the chat. Let me know after the service that you've prayed that way, because that is how God begins the journey of healing us, of our hurt and our pain and the sin done against us. We need his power to do it. You cannot accomplish it on your own. You cannot pray for your enemies on your own. I can't. But we need God's power to do it. And it comes from accepting Christ. And so because Christ accepts us and forgives us, we will do the difficult work. Because it matters. At the end of our lives, All that will matter as you and I step from this world into eternity. All that will matter is what we did for the Lord. And did our lives draw people to Jesus or repel people from Jesus? I want to live a life that's going to draw more and more and more and more and more and more and more people to Christ. And if it means I have to really start loving the taste of humble pie, I will. (laughs) Because it's crucial, as we saw in this text, without holiness, people will not see the holiness of God. And God wants to do that through you, (laughs) through us, (laughs) through his church. To reveal the holiness of God. So we get rid of all bitterness. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you that we can come to this place 
whether in person or online, and we can worship a God who loves us so much that he would be willing to forgive our sin by dying for us. Our sins were not forgiven because of our religious traditions and that we were able to keep all of the rules and all of the commandments. We are forgiven because of God's incredible love for us. And God, I know we have all been through hurt. We have all dealt with pain. We have all felt shame. We have all had sin done against us, and it hurts. And so, Father God, I pray for all of us today, regardless of the hurt that we have experienced, that you would bring healing into our lives. Whether we need to talk to someone, whether we should maybe go for some counseling, whether whether we should talk to a life group leader, whether we should just do something, God, to expose this hurt and this pain that's been lingering in our hearts. Help us to not just keep pushing it down, making ourselves sicker and angrier and more and more bitter. Help us to deal with it in a healthy, spiritually mature way. And God, help us to bless. Help us to pray. Help us to love our enemies. Help us to pray for those who hurt us. Help us to do good to those who persecute us. Not so that we could show off. Not so we could try to take some kind of holy high road. But so that your holiness would be seen. And that people would praise our Father in heaven for seeing that the church has been set apart for such a time as this. So God, continue to minister to each of us, I ask, as we continue in worship. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.